Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. Well Played Podcast is part of the On Podcast Media Network. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today, I have with me a fellow Wisconsinite, really excited. Uh, I have Eric Anderson. Uh, and Eric and I are going to be talking about increasing motivation through gamification. But before we get started, Eric, can you let uh, the well-played community know a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been a math educator for 20-plus years, both at the high school and the post-secondary level. Uh, presently, I have a teaching and administration role where I'm, I'm over uh, the math departments for the high schools out uh, Michael, is it okay if we talk about specific districts? I mean, is that 100% okay? 100% it is. Okay, I, I, didn't, I didn't know with the, all right. So I'm out at Kettle Marine School District, and I am the director of learning 912 for mathematics, which means that I sort of, I help do evaluations and curriculum development for all four of our high schools for mathematics. Um, I've also been a lifelong gamer. Um, I've done some game development and game design, and um, I'm a husband, a dad, a grandfather. Uh, you got a nice, I, you got a nice little I'm, resume there, my friend. Right, I'm I'm a comic book geek, so um, yeah, that that middle aged, late forties geek guy, that's me. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I love to hear that. Uh, so, all right. So you got, I mean, you got this right. clear background that lends you to sort of being susceptible to being interested in gamification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often tell people you don't have to be gamers no. and you don't, you know, need to be in that gamer culture to do it. Uh, but it, well, but it doesn't hurt though, right? It, it doesn't hurt, but I would argue that we've all been being in the middle of gamification and game-based scenarios our whole lives you know i mean yes you you have the the formal straight out there game culture uh grew up with nintendo playing legend of zelda playing D since i was in middle school you know all that you're living and breathing it yeah absolutely but you know anyone who's uh good at school i let's be honest grades are a gamification you know, getting an A or B, that's nothing you can kind of tangible. That's not a thing you get and you get to bring home. That's something we created as a, as a system of educators to help gamify the system in, in a very true sense. Um, anyone out there who does the I'm going to a certain type of coffee shop or I to this grocery store because I get a certain amount of points for what I buy. That's a gamification. Yeah. Our, our culture is riddled with them. And we eat it up all the time. I I just enjoy talking to people who love kind of bringing the curtain, you know, opening the curtain and just being honest about what it is. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. School school is a game. I, I talk about that, too, that it's yeah. sadly it's a poorly designed game, but it is a game. We have levels. Right. We have points. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. how, many, how many kids wrestle to... So I want to do this, that, and the other thing to make sure I have the right chord when I walk across the stage of graduation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too, right? Like we even yeah. have we even have badges with our like awards and you know honor roll and those kind of things. So right. we it's a but if you actually look at like game theory and game design, right. 
Sure. Like a game designer would walk into that and say, like, this is this is a really terrible design when we're talking about motivation and right. and, and increasing sort of that engagement. And, and I know a lot of teachers sometimes sort of fight against that, saying, like, well, it's not our job to make it like window dressing and like make it like neat or interesting. Like we have to get through content. And, right. and it's like uh, but I think we could really all benefit and learn a little bit from more of the game designer mindset in that, like, ultimately what we want is we want people to be engaged in what we're teaching and and truly exploring what we're right. teaching. Well, so, it's, so it's about, like, how long can we kind of keep them in the system? Like, that's not a bad thing to, like, shoot for. No, and it's interesting you use explore because as you're talking about that, I was thinking of, you know, um, the 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 four types of gamers the the Bartle taxonomy yeah, yeah and you know our school is designed around achievers if you're an achiever school is designed for you I mean even from first grade hey I'm going to give you a gold star by your name or I'm going to write your name on the board if you're if you're not doing well whatever the case is achievers love that mm-hmm. but we don't really have a place we have lots of students who are the the other types you know whether you're an explorer or a socializer or, or someone who likes, who are, who's a competitive sort. Um, we have little tastes of that in our system, but you're absolutely right. We need a system that embraces all of the, you know, we, you have in middle school, I have in high school all over the nation, we have students who are amazing people who are going to go out and change the world, but they're just not either not motivated or maybe their skill set doesn't align with our present education game. Yeah. And I mean, so, Eric's bringing up here this like famous sort of video game test to yeah. sort of decide what type of gamer you are. It's called the Bartle yeah. test and right. it was designed around like, you know, different types of games, but yeah. uh, there are in his test, there are four categories, right? There's right. the achiever, the explorer, the socializer, and uh, I'm going to use the word the conqueror. Uh, right, right. I, I <laughs> Yeah. I, I use the competitor, but yes. Yeah. So these four gamer types, right? And school is clearly designed around the achiever, which which I don't think we really need to sort of dive into what that means. No. But uh, an interesting little stat is when game designers realized like the the fulcrum in which you can really move people is mm-hmm. actually the socializer. Because so a Bartle test is one of these personality tests where you end up having some percentage in all of them, right? So it's like you're not just a hundred percent one of these things, right? Uh, but the the largest, a, over eighty percent of players have socializers in their top two. Like it's either mm-hmm. the top one or the, right. their, their second one. So like when we talk about school being designed around achievers, and I would almost argue the older you get, it is it is it is like a private achiever. Which if you really look into the like science behind what makes an achiever, being privately praised doesn't really right so you had mentioned like the kindergarten or the first grader getting the gold star that's public but as we move on like i teach sixth grade the only thing you can really get publicly praised for is if you make that like honor roll which is like again a top sort of tier and then i think when you move into like high school it's the same thing and then you're really only competing for valedictorian at that point like which is so it's so defeatist because there's only one of you, right? I mean, like right. that, that is pretty close to a zero sum game there unless, and even exactly. if you are the top two students for one of you, you're going to mm-hmm. get nothing. Like for right. one of you, you're second place. Right. 
No, totally agree. It, it's, a, it's a tough deal. And, and I'm certainly not making the argument that all high school teachers or middle school teachers should be publicly posting how every kid does on everything. No, no, I wasn't going there, but I was saying yeah. like a game designer would say like, here's where that structure needs to be like re-looked at because right. if, it, you know, like a game designer is going to really talk about different motivators, either right. game mechanics that are going to inspire you or even some sort of praise point. Uh, right. And obviously it wouldn't be around like the grades or it wouldn't be like, yeah. we'd have to handle that in a certain way. But my point yeah. is these are things that could be looked at to sort of make the design of school really more mirror the now like science we have around <laughs> motivation right. and, and engagement. So like as teachers, I think we can't just bury our heads and say, well, this is the way it is. And it's not our job to make it fun. Like, yeah, but it's our job to reach these students. And it, and it is our job to innovate. Um, and I don't think I would we'd ever come across an educator and say, well, I don't want to innovate. But we we have plenty that exactly what you just said, where they go. But that's how it is. We, we, we can't change the system. Well, no, one person can't change the K-12 post-secondary system all by themselves. But slowly but surely, we can move forward. And in particular, you know, as we move into the 21st century and. I believe there is an innate shift in what's happening just by the push of technology. Sure. Just that that is innately forcing change in, in the education game. And we do see national movement. You know, we're, we're talking about achievers. Well, depending on where you are in the country, that post-secondary to, to jump from, from high school to post-secondary, you have either that ACT or that SAT test, depending on where you are in the country. And while it's certainly not a majority right now, we do see a growing number of schools, especially um, east and west coast and moving, you know, here in the Midwest, <laughs> you know, our flyover state here. Um, we even see it here where major universities are taking a look and going, we recognize that there are these students who can do amazing things and maybe the ACT or the SAT wasn't a great measure of what they can do. Sure. So yeah. it's becoming a test optional. And there's nothing wrong with being an achiever. There's nothing wrong with being a good test taker or doing really well on the ACT. That's awesome. That That's a great thing. But that's also not a measure of what motivates a person or what they can, what they can do or where they end up. Because you're taking that test as a junior in high school. And good golly, I hope all of us sort of evolve and, and make it far beyond wherever it is we are emotionally, mentally, academically as juniors in high school. Yeah, I think what it is is it's a broadening of our understanding of what makes somebody successful. And I think sure. traditional school, and I mean like old school traditional, I'm not even sure. talking like whoever the most conservative teacher is right now, I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about right. you know, like old, old school. I think there was one definition of success, right? Like one Mm -hmm. model and if i was to sort of make an analogy here it would almost be like if we said an athlete will only be measured up to how they play football like if we just picked one right. standard right and then said well that track and field person they're fast but man like they, they're they totally want to avoid everybody they don't want to like touch anybody like they oof, right. like they're not gonna oof and when they get tackled they they whine about it all day long and we can't put them in the game so they are a terrible athlete 
Because we're only judging it by one metric, that being football. We've decided football is the only thing we care about. But but we realize in the real world, no, 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 but there are other sports. Like that guy could totally be successful over here. So why is school saying like we're only judging based on football? Like a thousand percent behind you, Mike. And we have to like just broaden that a little bit because we know in real in the real world, and I get it's really hard to come up with like the right testing metrics and all these other things. But I think we at least have to, as as you said, while while I personally might not be able to change the K twelve experience, I can change my classroom and I can change my attitude about what I bring to that classroom. And and you can be a leader in your district and and change the culture of your district. Um, out at Kettle Moraine, we have a graduation profile that is recognizing communication skills, collaboration skills, problem solving skills that are outside of the traditional academic uh, arena. Uh, and to me, that is the most important work we're doing. Yes, do I have very bright students who are doing STEM work and moving on to, to do uh, really awesome math and science stuff post-secondary? Yeah, and, and praise them, and I think that's awesome. But... Um, the most important work, you know, right now, if I can teach or if I can help a student learn collaboration skills, like how to work, we all end up at some point in our life being on a team with that person who maybe we don't, we don't sync with. There's something about like, like, and if I can help a student learn how to work with a person they don't want to work with, that's going to carry them way further than, Hey, you mastered how to factor a trinomial. You know, I just, and I'm not, I'm not dissing my own species. I'm a math teacher. I love math. I get super geeky about it. Um, my students sometimes have to tell me to turn off because I'm getting so excited about all the, all the cool math stuff. But I'm also consciously aware that as a successful adult, all the things that we try to drive to the student on the ACT or SAT, those aren't the skills a successful adult is necessarily going to lean back on in a day to day. Here's how I get through my day. Sure. So, in I mean, as we tackle this idea of increasing right. motivation, right? Uh, what are some things you've seen? What are some things you've done to to do that within your realm? So, uh, you know, once again, I I've been doing this for twenty plus years, and I would say for the first ten years. I was the really cool traditional teacher, yeah, you know, quizzes, tests, homework, but I had uh, a, maybe a different attitude than, than some people who I was working with at the time. Um, and, and I had students who told me that, that, hey, wow, I, Mr. Anderson, I, I'm not quite sure what's different here, but, but I'm actually enjoying this class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, motivation can come regardless of your environment or, or what you're comfortable doing. So, so that was great. Um, Probably six, seven years ago, I started, uh, you know, there in the last 10 years, I would say there's been this really push where where video games became cool. You know, when I was in high school and I find this interesting when I was in high school and I know this is a trope, but like, I was into comic books and I was playing D&D, but I never led with that. I led that I was on a football team. Right. That's right. And now you can kids who are in high school like. Being the the comic book expert is actually a huge social status. You know, being someone who's on top of all the fifth edition D&D rules and maybe being very good at Roll20 or one of our online sites that, that enable online gaming, that's great. Being someone who's really into video games, 
that that's a social status now. So we've had. I am so happy as as a as a geek that we've seen this one eighty switch. Yeah. You know, um, well, several years ago, I was talking to my students, and we would often be talking about geek stuff, whether it was comic books or Doctor Who or whatever, and. I, I, it started clicking with me that these are the students who are highly motivated. These are students who are getting C work at school and not putting in effort, but I'm watching them put in 40 hours a week into their D&D campaign or put 60 hours a week into whatever game they were playing. And I thought, wow, well, let's let's see if I can use this in the classroom. And I started developing different games. Um, and as I moved on, I did lean into, and we talked about Bartle before, but the taxonomy, like trying to design these games that, you know, at first, because of who I am, um, the, as you brought up the, the conquer idea, okay, I'm, I'm going to make these competitive in-class games. And you know what, for some kids, they were right there with me. But for other students, um, the, the competitiveness, the killer idea, that, that's not them. That, that wasn't inspire, inspiring to them. So I tried to create gamifications and game-based learning around helping students of all four all four of those profiles create a game where someone can explore and they're working as a team and they can achieve you know, with, with on a public scoreboard and that there there is some sort of combat option there is a competitive option um and the the teams that i've once i and sorry mumbling here um as we as I work with students groups and put them in teams, I saw that once you had a little bit of each of each profile on a team, they could move forward crazy. And while I'm certainly not an expert on the research, I would bet in real life when you identify here in this type of business or that kind of industry, we had a team that just nailed it and soared above all others. My guess would be on that team, you would see a little bit of all the profiles. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like these. I mean, I have my students take the Bartle test, and I use that data to design teams or groups, and uh, know you know how to approach certain students. And when you when you do that, probably like any personality test. So I'm not trying mm -hmm. to say that like you have to use that one, but when you no. truly start to like understand the different types of people you have in your classroom, and then you start to make the makeup of your groups based around something that's a little more research-based than, well, I just know these two work together, or I know that's my class leader and I'm gonna put them with this person. Like That's mm -hmm. like my teacher gut, which definitely is right a lot of times, but it, it can be wrong too. And to, to, to do it with a formalized test like this and then use that data, I too have seen quite a bit of like gains in terms of what the students are able to do their emotional intelligence with the group like is mm -hmm. is kind of much higher so uh, i definitely suggest people check out that Bartle test uh for their kids and and even if you don't end up like sharing or using the results with the kids it will be eye-opening i think for for everyone and you talk about these four groups and and designing things for them when I first discovered the Bartle test and I gave it to my students, you know, years ago and when I was designing these activities for my class, I used the Bartle test categories as like litmus tests for myself, like what have I done for an explorer lately? Right. 
Now, I can't say that everything I did was a well-balanced four core, you know, thing, but I, I mean, definitely you started to challenge yourself and be like, wait a minute, like, yeah, it is really easy to design things for the achiever. Uh, there are some like rules and parameters around designing for an achiever that I think traditional school kind of gets wrong. So, I mean, you should definitely look up to what an achiever is and think through those things. But for the most part, it's like, when did you get out of that box? When did I like do something right. for the explorer, the socializer, or the conqueror? Yeah. Uh, and once I started doing that, I felt like I invited more students around the educational table because then they're also like, there's something for me here. Right, right. And and not every activity needs to be balanced around all four, but you have as long as you are making sure you are designing activities for for each of the four, um, it really speaks to students, like you're saying. I mean, it activates them. And, and I think students who, in a very traditional sense, sort of said, I don't like this is something I have to do, but I don't necessarily want to be here, nor do I belong here. They recognize that they do. Um, you know, for not so much in middle school, and I praise you guys at the middle school because you know, those kids have <laughs> We're crazy. Happening. I mean, as a, as a high school content teacher, teacher, I know I work very hard, but I don't work nearly as hard as a middle school teacher or an elementary teacher. I think we're all we're all tough. We're, we're, all, we're, doing... We're, all, we're all doing our own thing. But where I was going with this is I think like kindergarten and first grade teachers absolutely embrace this, maybe without knowing about the Bartle test or knowing, sure. but, but they, they totally embrace it. By the time we get to high school, I think like you mentioned, like some of us get so wrapped up in content. I'm teaching you calculus. I can't teach you how, how to else. think anything else. Right. Um, and then I think so. So like in my experience, I see kindergarten and first grade teachers sort of totally embracing this and being that. And then I also see like, at the grad school level, they embrace this too. So it's interesting that at, at these these two ends, they they understand like the what motivates you. Let's get you as a learner motivated and see what you can do. And meanwhile, in the middle, we kind of we kind of lose the plot a little bit. I think so too. Um, I mean, a little off topic here, but I mean, yeah. as a sidebar. <laughs> I, I really want everyone, including myself, to be reminded of the fact that we are merely like a piece of their education. And I think sometimes right. teachers take it so on themselves, me included, that it's like, no, 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 but like this is this is so important. And I got to yeah. like, this is the only time they're – and it's yeah. like, that's not true. It's not the only time. Because if, if they ended up like – going in a math direction like they will right. get calculus again if they didn't get calculus like it's right. not like this is their one chance to ever get calculus in 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 their educational career i'm not the only world history piece they're ever going to have and even if i am even if like they don't go into a history career and i'm pretty certain they're you're required at least in high school to yeah. take another one but right. even if i was the only one part of it is like I'd rather make an impact than just right. say that I raced through all the kind con- Yeah, sweet. Yeah. I got them through everything. They know all the way through the Reformation, but like zero impact because all I could do yeah. every day was just yell at them curriculum. Right. And they got that, that first level depth of knowledge. Yeah, they could repeat back to you all the facts, but it, it had no impact on that. Yeah. Um, you know, my go-to, not, not to go too deep into the sidebar, but my go-to when I talk to people about this is, you individually pick a hundred people that you think change the world, line them up on the wall. 
and then pick any singular thing, whether it's from your history content, something about the referendum, whether it's from my math content, it's science. Pick those 100 people and say, can you tell me these three facts about the referendum? Or I'm sorry, the reformation. Not all of these highly successful people can do that. Nope. Not all of these highly successful people can factor a trinomial or tell us about photosynthesis or pick whatever content specific thing you want. That's not that's not what made these people successful. And I would even once again, getting back to I, I believe we are having a cultural shift due to technology. We live in the age of Google. I have to tell my students like in high school, I did a lot of work that today I as a successful adult would Google <laughs> like there's um, this memorization, like being exposed to it and knowing and learning is different than can you recite this back? So, yeah, I have a lot of times a discussion about like, it's not the facts. So I'm a huge fan of like separating out the fact that like we need to still practice the skill of memorization, but we as teachers need to let go of the fact that like, it's not actually the content. It's right. the skill because right. at some point your brain needs to be able to be trained to be able to like read a bunch of stuff and be able to in the next like week or so recite that because like whether it's preparing for a presentation, whether it's like being intaked at a new job, like you need to be able to mm -hmm. memorize. But I think what we get wrong is we hit the kids over the head with the curriculum's important. And right. like you need to know. No, it's actually the skill of memorization. So anybody out there that's still giving 10 question quizzes about just rote memorization stuff, I'm actually totally fine with that. But you got to shift the language that it's the skill you're trying to develop. Right. Not the content. Right. Can, can you read this, pull out some facts, understand the big idea, but the actual... Whatever the idea, I mean, I don't right. care. Like, you could right. switch my job to an English teacher, a math teacher. Yeah. It doesn't matter. My goal actually shouldn't change. No, absolutely agree. Like, absolutely agree. I just happen to teach skills, right. and I think, arguably, life skills through world history. Like, world history right. happens just to be the theme. Right. Yours is math. But, like, right. ultimately, we should just be trying to improve that student's way of thinking and giving them sort of the tools to construct to, I, I'm going to change that to confidently construct creatively. Mm -hmm. So, because like that's what learning is. Learning is, I don't know something right now. I'm a little curious and I'm confident that if I Google some stuff, I'm going to acquire that knowledge and I will be able to do X. I'll be able to change the oil in my car. I don't know how to do that right now. This is a true story. Sure. I don't know. Sure. I always take it to the quickie loop. Sure. But I believe that I am intelligent enough to watch those things, acquire that knowledge, and do it. Absolutely. That that's the life skill. That's the thing that they need to walk away with. Yes. So, um, you know, and that for me as a math educator, I was always trying to, to dig into not unlike an athlete or a musician, being a student, you have to practice every day. Being a mathematician, you need to practice every day. And that was something that I was trying to hone in with with my students that you know, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but are you practicing mathematical thinking every day? So um, if I can bring us back, I, I, and I'm 100%. sorry, I, I'm willing to, to, to see the weeds and like sprint that way. So <laughs> I'm going to, um, but as far as motivation, because especially in math, and, and I would say, I don't want to say, well, no, I, I guess I do. Um, you know, in high school, you have your four major academic areas. And I think you have students 
who at least I've seen students who tell me about their intrinsic motivation in English or in social studies or in science, because for a lot of time, uh, or a, a good percentage of the time, those three also involve the power of storytelling. Like you can get into science, history, English, because a student is enwrapped in the in the story of whatever it is that we're talking about. Sure. Um, whatever. And a lot of times that is missing in mathematics. We have these skills without any context as to where the skill came from, why someone is learning it, what you're going to do with it, who who came up with it, all that jazz. So as I was trying to figure out how to motivate my students to do, get more skill work, that's when I sort of kicked in and said, well, let, let me tag into their gamer profile. Let me see what we did with that. So while developing different games and, and the, the present game that I've sort of read of refined and refined over and over again, um, it was a, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a trading game. It's, it's a role-playing game where students play my, my original sense or my original version was we set it in medieval Scandinavia where they were traveling between they had a ship, they're traveling city to city, making trades. Like here's your gold. You go, you pick up this cargo run, you drop it off there, you get more gold. And that seemed to be hitting a lot of my, my student profiles. Well, that initial set, what I found is that when I created a game around, you know, I used their math achievement and how much math they were doing and, and the work they were doing as sort of their experience points in that game. Sure. Um, I saw a close to 300% improvement in those students kicking along. Like, the student who was unmotivated by our traditional gamifications, the grades, don't you want to graduate? Ah, eh, I don't care. You know, I mean, all those things. That that student who, when I put them in a four-week game with me, uh, got more done in those four weeks than maybe the previous 16 weeks combined. And that was the thing that sort of blew me away. That I was like, so you don't care about grades, but your character will get a better weapon if you do your math and they're like, yup, I'm, I'm doing my math now. I want my ship to go faster. Okay. All right. I'll use that. You know? Yeah. So many times I think it's about that, that sort of immediate understanding of the value, right? Right. Kids understand that education is valuable. Even your most like defiant kid still gets that education is valuable. But the payout, the it's on such a distant horizon. So to now like help contextualize, like what you're doing is important tomorrow, but it's also right. important today because of this right. game. I think that really helps students throughout this very long, like almost lifelong yeah. journey sure. uh, as they move forward. Um, which is a good segue into our our quote here for reflection time. Okay. So, uh, Eric, I'm curious how this Robert Greene quote's going to hit you today. Okay. The future belongs to those who learn more skills and combine them in creative ways. Oh, I, I love that quote. That, that's, um, that, that's at the heart of everything we've been talking about here. Like, the, when you talk to someone who knows all these facts, well... When all is said and done, like I think back to, and, and I'm an old guy, right? So I went to, to high school in the 80s and, you know, God bless all those history teachers I had, but it was simply a data dump. It was, do you know these things, recite them back. There was very little 
you know, application or analysis or how did this impact the world or any of those any of those big questions that are the real questions in social studies. It was about can you spit back out these these little divots, right? These yep. little uh, factoids. And we might have people today who believe that that's I know a lot. I can recite a lot of facts. Great. Can you use them in some way? Can can you be productive? Can you synthesize those to to make the world a better place? Which is really what what we're talking about. Can you be creative? Can you um, get out there and and change the world for the better? Um, and you and I were talking before we started recording, but uh, almost a year ago today. Um, I saw Kevin Honeycutt talk and he totally inspired me because that that's kind of his take, like creation. How do you inspire your students? How, how can I get my students to create more? Well, that means I got to create, I got to show them what that looks like and all the, all the parts that, that all the parts that are attached to that. And, and that's probably a whole different interview, but the, the idea that when you create something and throw it out into the public, we live in a world where you get some people praising you and you get the trolls who, who are just sitting on the internet yelling at you. And I think a 21st century creative skill is taking all this factoids and being able to move above and beyond like the noise on social media and do something good, move, move beyond and, and do something awesome with, with what you know. It's not just what you know, it's what you're doing with it. So I think that's, that's a great quote, Mike. I, I agree. It, it, it definitely is one that inspires me uh to to continue to think about education in that different way in that sure. broader way that we keep talking about that you know we really are imparting skills and not and I'm not even just using the term skills to mean actually like our content skills I'm talking about yeah. like just life skills making students right like stronger better for the future which we all do not know what it is so right. <laughs> like right creating them that way and and giving them that creative confidence to to know that they can step into that unknown because they're equipped to to sort of navigate the unknown right. uh, i think that that's super awesome so eric uh thank you so much for joining oh, sure. well uh, played yeah. today okay i thank you for having me um michael can i can i have that that moment of just uh, oh yeah yeah let's definitely you. definitely do it sure uh the self a moment a moment of blatant self promotion here because because I know you've got some great listeners out there so I kind of want to throw this out there for them in the podcast notes um, the game that I refined over and over again um, that I published the the descendants of Hedeby is out there right now this can be used for any content area uh, elementary middle high school um, right now all of us are are either planning or we're actually teaching online. This is a great tool to help motivation. This is a great tool to get kids invested. I've been talking with a lot of teachers from our local districts who are, you know, these kids are unmotivated. Yes, absolutely. We are living in an unprecedented moment right now where everyone's doing this from home. And you might have students who are unmotivated at home to, to really engage in the work. This is a way to do it. Um, if you follow the link that are in the, in the podcast notes, I am also more than happy to, if if you wanted to purchase a copy of The Descendants of Hedeby, I am happy to do, I've been doing some educational and gamification consulting for years now. Anyone who makes a purchase of this game, I'm happy to give them a half hour, either Skype or phone mm -hmm. consultation as to how they can use this 
specifically with their students in their context. That's super awesome. Uh, once again, I've met Eric in person, fellow Wisconsinite. We've done a lot of ed camps together uh, and great guy. So definitely check out his uh, offering there. And that's super nice that you're willing to take that time with everybody. Uh, so thank you for joining yeah. Eric and everybody check those show notes for those ideas uh, that are shared out. And also everybody, just a reminder that well-played podcast is a part of the on podcast net media network. So check out their website to grab all sorts of other podcasts. You can definitely see also check out uh, my YouTube channel for all sorts of ideas shared on there as well. Love to have you guys connect. Thank you so much and play on. All right.